Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everyone out there in the digital universe, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Light the Fight. I'm David. And I'm Heidi. And we are coming to you from a very sick place. And I don't mean mentally or emotionally sick. <laughs> well, at least I hope we're not mentally and emotionally sick. But I'm uh, I'm just got some good antibiotics in me, fighting a, fighting a sinus infection. And Heidi, she, of course, can't be one up. So I always got to try to one up. Right. Me. Now, 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 now she's on her way. I'm considering trying to find some antibiotics. Yeah, it looks oh, like yeah. she's got the same thing. And at least you know you didn't get it from me. We haven't been face to face in a little bit. So in a couple of weeks. So. That's right. <laughs> but, I, don't know, I don't know what the deal is, but maybe it's just, you know, I think that what happens is like here in Utah, you start to like, you'll have this warm, a little bit of a warm patch. And so you go out. And you maybe you hike and you or you run or you you know go out and exercise and then just snap freeze yep. and then you're like wait a minute I I I'm mentally ready for sun and and then yeah just like no that sunny sunny with the chance of blizzard <laughs> that's exactly what it's yeah. been like so so basically what we're saying is we apologize guys if we sound like we're talking inside of a funnel instead of like a tunnel or something like that and um but. Besides that, and besides that, uh, we're on a Zoom call still, which, like we promised, we will be back in studio very soon, and we'll be doing an announcement very soon about that. But until that time, we're here doing our best to not sound completely muffled. So here we go. <laughs> That's right. We're good. Here we go. So um, Heidi, why don't you uh, why don't you just tell us uh, what's on the what's on your radar? <laughs> You know that it's it's really interesting. Just um, particularly when I open up on social media and kind of um, put some things out there. If you're if you're new here to the podcast, there's a chance um, this week on there's an Instagram account called Eight Minute Classes, and about a year, I guess two years ago, they asked me to do. So it's it's like a an account that that invites people to come that are specialists in some area or have some type of specialty and do like a video for eight minutes. That's their that's kind of their thing. And they asked me to do it for suicide awareness a couple of years ago, which I did, and I kind of shared um what I believe is the is the starting point and the most fundamental change that any of us can make, which is don't freak out, right? That yeah. um, being a, a first responder instead of a first overreactor type thing. And the response that, that they had initially was really amazing. And they decided to rerun it this last week. And again, just really amazing 
response as people take the time to listen to this um, video. And actually, if I'm being completely honest, when I recorded it and submitted it to them, I did not watch it. And when they posted it, I also did not watch it. And um, then I had like all these people asking me questions and responding to it. And I was like, I honestly do not remember what I talked about. What you even said, huh? (laughs) So I actually watched it. And um, aside from it being like pre-COVID weight gain, if you know, it's I, I it it's right in line with with what I still um like to teach and and I was like oh actually this is really good <laughs> so if you haven't seen that um it's at eight minute classes but what it did was it really um struck a nerve with a lot of individuals asking um just wanting to know more and when I asked some questions on my own account of what causes people to freak out, we kind of talk about this, you know, what's the freak out thing. The thing that really, one of the things that really bubbled up to the top was parents just feeling like their kids don't have quality friends, can't find friends. And, you know, during this pandemic time, it has gotten really, really convenient. Um, for people not to socialize. And I think, and I can speak for probably most parents, myself included, when we were young, if we wanted to hang out with friends, we actually had to go, either go someplace together or go to somebody's house in order to be together, right? Which isn't exactly the same um, now that you can play video games together and never even be in the same room or FaceTime or, you know, all these different things that you can do. Um, But I definitely think that not only the COVID pandemic, like, situation in our society right now, I think it has really gotten harder for kids to gain social skills, like how to make a friend or how to approach somebody or even just like somebody who has some level of social anxiety to motivate them to go and do something and interact in real life. And that's causing parents to feel um, freaked out, stressed out, worried. And um, I wondered if there's something, you know, David, I know that we've talked about this a lot. You are in the school, you're teaching social health. Is this something that's coming up in, in your classes when you're talking to actual, real, live teenagers? Well, yeah, it's coming up in, in two different ways. It's coming up just in our class conversations because the curriculum focuses and touches on all these hot spots for teenagers, but it doesn't, the curriculum doesn't trigger anyone because we're just talking about it. You know, we're not like saying you should be doing this or you're not being social or you're isolating yourself. And so, um, so as, as you know, sometimes kids will just be answering the, the assignment questions and our, our assignments aren't like they have to listen in class and then answer the questions. 
our assignments are really more thought pro- thought experiments, thought provoking assignments. Like, but like, what, like, what role do you think you play in your friend group? Uh, you know, are are do you feel like you're appreciated by your friend group? Do you feel like you're on the inside, the outside? There's all these interesting questions that then it makes them think. And then in the class discussions, they start saying things like, you know, it feels like it's just, I don't know, it feels like it's getting harder for me to connect. Or I just, I don't know, I just kind of, it's almost like this, meh, like almost laziness about it, at least on the outside. It looks like they're just aloof. Like they don't really want to do as much as they did before. And I'm not saying these kids have depression. They're just, just something just kind of off. You know what I mean? And as we start talking about it, then that's when it starts to come up. And then I'll start to add in, I'll start to weigh in on some different things and, and share my thoughts and insight, then good conversations come of it. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me, uh, there was this one quote that, uh, I, I heard recently from, uh, from a psychologist that I follow and, uh, and, and I sent it to you Heidi, so, so you could read it in just a second, but, um, in, in answering your question and talking more about this, um, I think this quote really says a lot. And I use this, this quote as an example inside my class today. And I had a really good discussion with a young man about it. And the rest of the class really like made them think. And so why don't you go and share that quote real quick, Heidi, and then I'll elaborate on on, like what happened. Okay. And I like this too. I think that it can be applied in so many ways, you know? So the quote says this part of being motivated is being afraid of the right things. Yes. It Part kind of, of being kind of, motivated. Yeah. It, you kind of, it just kind of reminds me of something that like you would like because it's the opposite of <laughs> what I would think, right? Like it's inverted. It's like flipped upside right. down. Being motivated and afraid of the right things. This wait, are, first of all, can you be afraid of the right things? And and obviously the answer is yes, but motivated and afraid seems like they're opposites like they they wouldn't work together yeah well and i mean i i think i think because we're used to hearing we're we've become more accustomed you know especially through social media and stuff like that to to hear quotes or to see you know posters and in businesses that are more of the quotes that are kind of straightforward like a little bit more of like you know if you set your mind to something, you can achieve this. Or like, you know, some things that kind of fall. Water, water is wet type. Yeah. Just wa- like, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, obvious. yeah. Even though they're obvious, they're like, yeah, it's a good like. Dun, 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 dun. It's like a good cheer on right, you know, during, right. a, during a football game. Right. Um, but what struck me about this quote is that, um, and go ahead, read it one more time. I love so. Part of being motivated is being afraid of the right things. So what struck me about this is when we're talking about motivation, it seems to me that all these people that are hitting you up and all these people that are sharing about their kids and stuff is they're realizing that their kids are not motivated right now as much as they were in the past. And now we're not saying all kids, of course, we're just saying this is a common theme, right? And so that they're they're not motivated to take the risks to go out there, be social, and to get outside of their comfort zone. And nowadays, because of the quarantine and everything, for many young teenagers, their comfort zone is their home, their room, right? But their comfort zone is extraordinarily uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the same psychologist in the same conversation, it, in fact, it went along with this quote. He said something online. He said, well, he said, people really 
he goes, if they start, he goes, people really need to be honest with themselves. And he wasn't like, you just need to be honest with yourself, be real with yourself. Here's what he meant. Here's what he described being honest with himself. He said when, and he was talking about a young person, he goes, when a young person uh, is at a certain age of their life, they want to be like other people. They admire someone so much. Like, I want to be like this person. I want to be like this person. And if a fault or an insecurity or a difficult thing comes up, it's really easy to tell yourself that, oh, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not interested in that thing. So therefore I'm not motivated to do it. And with this psychologist talking about, he said, he goes, a lot of times it's not that you're not interested in it. A lot of times it's not that, um, that, that you can't do it. It's difficult and uncomfortable. And so when something's difficult and uncomfortable, it's easy to lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that we do not like it. When the reality of it is, it's not that we don't like it. We don't like to feel uncomfortable. We don't really know how it's going to work out if we continue to do it. So, for example, with homework, right? How many teenagers out there are saying, you know, I hate this class. I hate this stuff. I don't like it. I'm not interested in it, right? So, therefore, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it or I don't want to do it. Now, assuming that it's not a, a mean teacher, assuming that it's not, like they're getting bullied in class. And let's just look at it as just a class, right? And it's easier to do things that you're interested in because it's easier to get motivated to do things that give you excitement and joy. So the way he described it was that if you're honest with yourself and you're saying that this is difficult for me and I don't like how it makes me feel versus saying, I don't like this thing. And, you know, it's nothing that, you know, I, I, I even want to do it all. Then he goes, what you're, what you're really doing is you're saying not doing your homework and the consequences of potentially losing privileges, your phone, your freedoms, stuff like that, not doing homework. That should scare you more than being uncomfortable to do your homework for an hour. Because being uncomfortable doing your homework for an hour is just that. It's uncomfortable to do your homework for an hour. But if you lie to yourself and you say, you hate this stuff, it's stupid. And you start to build this, this narrative behind this homework, this class is against you. And it's trying, to, it's trying to hurt your feelings. It's triggering you, making you feel all these difficult things. Because if people at a young age start to build this defense mechanism up against things that make them feel uncomfortable, he said, it could become very problematic in their adult life. Because now they start to look at things that make them feel uncomfortable as things they need to avoid versus things they need to further explore. Well, why does this make me feel uncomfortable? Like being uncomfortable is like having anxiety about a situation. It's a notification. Something is testing you. Something doesn't, it's like, this is, all my senses are saying something's not right with this. It could be simply because you have no experience doing it. You haven't gained success doing it or the exposure of what is going to happen to me if I try to do something really uncomfortable? Will people start to see me as less than, not good enough? So if I build up a story and I build up a narrative to justify and lie to myself that I don't like this thing, because if you do this long enough, you won't ever know what you like.
it becomes very confusing. Then he, that's when he shared, you know, that, that quote is that as in, as a day goes, you're scared of something bad happening to your kids. You're scared of, you know, like missing out on a meeting or a phone call. Like there's all these things you're scared of, but making sure you're scared of the right things is having a, a perception of what are things that I'm just uncomfortable doing versus what are things that I actually have tried. I've explored. I went in this class. I took this, you know, this dancing, you know, class. I took this singing class. I tried out on the football team. And after putting my all into it, then I've determined I'm not, I don't have interest in it because if we look at it, everything, when we first do it is uncomfortable. And I, I really relate to this a lot. And, and for me, and I, I've said this before on the podcast, for me, when I was younger, you know, I was, I was so scared and this is how, I mean, I went through a lot of counseling to, to get this point. So don't just think when I say this, like, wow, he just put this together. No, I put this together over like 10 years. Okay. So when I was younger, I used to tell people, uh, my friends, like it'd be coming close to like grades, you know, finals and stuff. And they'd be all stressed out. I'm like, come on, let's just hang out, chill. Don't even worry about studying nothing. Like, well, aren't you worried? Like we have a test this time. It's no big deal. I, you know, I'll just, I'll just cram the last minute. I go really last minute. I go, yeah, you know, for me, it's like, it's more of a challenge to, you know, not study, not pay attention. And then just to cram at the last minute, because, you know, who, who even cares about the stuff in the long run? We don't need this stuff in our life. It's no big deal. And I used to try to talk people out of studying and preparing for tests. True story. Like I used to try to do this all the time. Well, once I figured all this out and this all unraveled, what I realized is that I was so fearful that if I went all in, and if I really tried to study for this test, I was confident I'd be exposed for not being smart at all. And me being exposed for not being smart would be a chink in my armor, and it would open up the window for people to see that I was a bastard child who was adopted and my secret was coming out. Now, that was for me. For other people, their secrets could be something else. Maybe they have an eating disorder, or maybe they have depression, or maybe they have, you know, a, a secret that they've been holding or trauma that happened to them that they feel they'll be judged or criticized or look differently. And so for me, as I started to figure this out, I started to realize I'm like, okay, I've been hiding behind this persona that I don't care. And it's all good. It's all chill. It's all cool. No worries. No worries. But it's all, you know, who cares? You're stressing out too much. When really, when I peel back all the layers, I knew that if I was being honest with myself, I didn't feel and I didn't have any confidence that I was smart and intelligent because I never tried at school from day one. From, I mean, from kindergarten all the way through, I avoided school. Like, it, I mean, I, 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 used to, I used to joke around saying, man, if you want to scare me, don't threaten me. Just like show me a math book. Like just something <laughs> like a vampire. I'm like, get away from me. I'm like, get across and some garlic. I was so scared of math. And so that this quote and this conversation I heard from the psychologist, you know, it really struck me. And, and when I brought it up, going to the story about teaching in my class today, I see one young man, we're talking about, you know, things that are going on in their life. Like we always do highs and lows. And this one young man said, my, my low is I was really scared and I haven't, you know, asked this girl out to prom that I wanted to ask out. My high was, I finally asked her out and she said, yes. So I just out of curiosity, I was like, after we we're done, I was like, just can I ask you like, what, like, why did you finally do this? Because I've been kind of mentoring this kid, talking to this kid a little bit. He's shy throughout the course. He just eventually started to open up. He goes, I don't know, just something you said in class or something we discussed or something one of the other kids said in class. He's like, 
I'm tired of being scared of everything. And he realized that like, if I'm scared of everything, I can't do anything. But if I pick one or two things that I'm scared of, and I say, you know what? I'm going to work on these one or two things to try to overcome my fears, then maybe they won't be so scary anymore. And I said, aha, you're right. And I told him about this quote and I simply put it to him. I said, I go, what do you think is more scary for you to not ask this girl out, to isolate yourself more and to just sit there and wonder, lose confidence. And the next time another dancer and something else comes up, now you're less confident than you were the last time you didn't ask the girl out because you don't have experience in asking a girl out. Or are you more scared of the rejection? He goes, before I would have said I was more scared of like, um, to like, like the rejection. He goes, but now I'm more scared of this is just who I'm becoming. That I just, I, I, I'm just not going to do anything. And you could feel all the kids in the room kind of like look at him. And you just could sense the silence like, oh, that was deep. Yeah, and they all, they all got it. They're all like, and so of course, like I was just say, all right. Raise your hand because whenever a kid's vulnerable like that, I never want to leave them on an island. I said, right now, raise your hand if you can relate to that. And I mean, 90% of the kids in the classroom raise their hand. I bet. Okay. Well, so let me ask you this. I think as parents, you know, we, we can look at our kids' individual personalities and situations and, and we, we probably kind of know what they're scared of, or we have guesses. Right. But, you know, telling somebody like, you know, either telling them, well, you're just scared. You need to flip it around and make that into a positive. You, you know, that can be a little triggering or, or just like, okay, don't come tell me that I'm, you know, or but that's definitely, that's definitely the approach of talking at them versus. Right. With and, them. Yeah. you know, we already know it's not a good idea to just like go ask them a million questions. Well, like, like, well, what are you scared of that? You, you know, like, so how Why are you scared? <laughs> right. So, so what would be a good approach to try to help them? I mean, I get that we've got to help them see that being scared is okay. And that helps you realize that it's probably something good. If, if you're scared, how, how would you go about, you, you know, what would this conversation maybe look like? Well, I mean, I'm you glad you, had, oh, yeah, you yeah. started talking about that. Like, you know, what are you more scared of? But, but for a parent who's just like having these thoughts in my, in their head, like my kid is never going to go and do anything ever again. What do I, what am I going to do? Well, Heidi, I'm glad you asked me this question because sometimes you'll ask questions and I'm like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity for me to peel back the curtain a little bit and kind of let you guys in on some of my tricks. We'd love knowing your tricks. So uh, hacks, tricks, whatever you want to call them. Okay. Jedi mind tricks is is what he calls them. Yeah, yeah, a healthy manipulation, Jedi mind tricks, whatever you want to call it. It's like happy you will be. Not stay in your room all day, you will, right? <laughs> so if you've noticed there's a theme to all you listeners out there in our podcast, we have things like statements versus questions, connection before concern, 
there's always these two things like this or that, high or low, hot or cold, left or right. Like there's just, there's these two parallels, this yin and yang that we're, we're constantly presenting, but the topic is about relationships and, and stuff like that with their kids. So here's one of the little tricks that, you know, and this was not something I read in, in school because you guys listen to podcasts. I, I didn't do as much reading as I probably should have. Uh, so uh, hence is why it took, hard me five knock, years, yeah, it, took, yeah, it took me five years to graduate from undergrad instead of the typical four. So um, point is, is that when I'm talking to a young person and I'm seeing them really struggling on a decision, we'll use this young man as an example. This kid scared of his own shadow for the most part, right? Not, you know, never asked a girl out to dance, especially like a prom. And he kept on saying it's because the rejection, the fear, of the rejection, the fear, of the rejection. So what I tell someone in this situation, and this is, you know, something that parents, you guys can obviously model this is instead of like Heidi said, instead of saying, well, why are you scared of that? Or instead of saying, don't be scared of that. You just need to go right in there and just show them what's up. Now that latter one, can actually be effective if your kid or the person we're talking about is just kind of on the fence a little bit and needs a nudge. Like, all right, come on. That's when you can get in the coach realm. Like, come on, you can do this. You got this go. And then you can push them on. But if you have one of the kids that where our parents are talking about where they're really stuck and they're not having a lot of movement, you have to slowly put some bait out in front to get them to come out. And the bait that I always use that works is I introduce their, their, their goal and what they want simply as one option. So the way I like to explain this is in every situation, you always have two options, every situation. And the example that I use with teenagers, when I tell them this, they'll be like, what do you mean? I say, okay, I go, if someone came up to you, put a gun to your head, and said, you know what? Give me your money. Give me everything that you have. Like they mugged you, right? Give me all your money. I said, what's your choice? They're like, well, you don't have a choice. You got to give me your money. I go, uh-uh. You don't have to give me your money. And many teams were like, well, then they're going to shoot you. I said, but you still have a choice. Now, logically, it may not be a good choice. If you're smart, you're just going to give me your wallet, like just be done with it, right? But even in the most extreme situation where you're being, you know, like that type of situation, you have a choice. Now, for all of you listeners, obviously there's some situations where someone's kidnapped or something. I'm not saying every scenario, don't take this extreme. I'm saying in your own personal day-to-day life, there is always a choice. Even there's always one or two. Now, when you as parents, how many times you've heard this, you'll tell your kids like, do your homework, do this. I can't because of this, because that they've already picked one lane and they're saying there's no choice. I have one choice and that's to fail. Or if I try, I'm going to fail. So why not? Why even do it in the first place? They get very stuck on this. I don't have a choice. I'm damned if I do. I'm damned if I don't. Right. And so I just simply explain it to them. And this is how I draw them out a little bit. So, you know what? You're right. Like this young man asking a girl, if he would, if he was my client came to me and said, I want to ask her out. I'm too scared. I've never done it before. It's like, just, I, I just can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. I'm like, you're right. You are too scared at this moment to ask her. How many times have you asked a girl to the prom? He's like, never. Okay. So you're scared of an experience that you've never had. I said, do you know, people are scared to fly on an airplane 
before they've ever flown an airplane? He goes, yeah, me too. He's like, first, and this particular kid I'm thinking, I'm talking about a kid from today using that example, but a kid I was counseling, so I'm mashing too. So I was one kid one time, he goes, yeah, I'm, I was scared before I got an airplane. I said, are you scared to fly an airplane? No, I said, no, I love flying airplanes. That's okay. Well, why do you think you're scared the first time? He's like, I guess like what you said, like, I, I didn't do it. You know, you start here, you start thinking of all the worst things that could happen. And I go, okay, well, that would make sense. But just like that, that quote said, it's like this young man that I was talking to about the prom thing, if he was telling me he can't ask this girl, he can't ask this girl, I would simply just introduce the two choices saying, you're right. If you're too scared, don't do it. But you do have a choice to do it and still be scared. And then once you do it, if the rejection hurts because she says no, then you deal with that next. You've never dealt with being rejected from asking a girl to a prom because you've never asked a girl to a prom. Now, if she does say yes, then you got other issues to deal with. Okay, do I wear this suit? Do I do that? Like, then you got other choices you got to make. So I simply just told them, you know, I, I would tell a teenager, not because I'm, I'm mixing situations. I, I would simply tell a teenager, you know, you're going to be scared either way. Just, just think about it. Just think simply about it. Do you want to be scared for the rejection? Or are you more scared to be rejected? Or are you more scared to living? Just not sure if you have the courage to do something like ask a girl to dance. And then I'll say, hey, you don't have to make a choice right now. Just, you know, just think about that. And then I'd revisit that later. As parents, we have a greater sense of anxiety and urgency. Like, well, you got to get the bravery tonight. You got to get, because what if you don't ask her by next week, then someone else asks her, they missed the opportunity. That's not really the point. When we're trying to draw our kids out, the best thing to do is step number one, provide two options. Tell them, you all, you know, most of the time you have two choices. Say, you know, you're right. You are scared to ask her out and you've never asked her out before. So if you ask her out, we'll see what happens. If you don't ask her, you know, we'll see what happens there. But you do have a choice. So if you just have a conversation with your kids about a choice, not which choice to make, then establishing, they, just establishing what the choices are. Just establishing what the choices are. Because if you think about it, a good teacher puts different options on a whiteboard and helps you decide which one seems more logical or not. If I were to write this out, what would it feel like to be rejected and all the things that they'd imagine? What would it feel like and how would, how would it ha what would happen if they actually said yes, we were to write these things out? It'd be easier for a young person to go, wow, that one sounds like it could be really good. And that one sounds like really bad. But then you just got to weigh out which one are you more scared of? Are you more scared of never knowing, never taking the risk? Or are you more scared of just being safe? Because as we talk in our, in our Don't Freak Out events, we talk about this thing called anti-fragile. We've done an episode on it. So if we're presenting a choice to our kids, like you have to make this choice because if you don't make this, all these bad things could happen. We're talking to them as if they're too fragile simply because they feel fragile. When our kids are scared to make a choice or they're not properly motivated, like the quote says, because they're not, they're not really seeing the long-term effects of this, the best thing to do is present that there's choices in life to be made. Here's the two choices they have. They don't have one. They have two choices. And just kind of leave that there and, and see what they say. Now, if they say, oh, you know, I know, but it can go, hey, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just letting you know, you got, you got a choice. Then when you circle back around, you still don't say, so you make your choice to say, 
Hey, uh, have you cited which one of the two you're more scared of? Hmm. And at that particular point, it's like, well, you know, if you get them talking about making choices, because like you said in the beginning of the podcast, not only not teaching basic social skills in schools and families, like directly sitting down and teaching them that, we're also not teaching just the psychology of choices and how to make choices. So many times we think we're prisoners to certain choices because of our upbringing, because the way we're raised, that's not necessarily true. Or or also just because you think like, this is what I should do. Yeah. You know, expectation. we kind of um, are limited by what we think people, ex- yeah, like expect us to do. Or and and I think I even feel the same way. Like in in my own situation, like you know, I wake up in the morning and this is what I have to do. But everybody and and we've talked about this several times in different episodes. Just that people, especially teenagers, love to have choices. And so yep. if, if, if they're feeling like they have no choice, then it's like being painted into a corner or feeling trapped and that makes you feel defensive. But as soon as you recognize that you have choices, then you start having more open mind and kind of weighing those options. You, you know, obviously when yeah. you have five choices, that's, that's too many, like, right. When, <laughs> when you're presented with too many choices, that can be really overwhelming and, and cause its own problem, but establishing just kind of a cup of alternatives. I think I, I like that a lot. Well, that's another reason why that, that quote hit me so hard because I, I really agree with the psychologist because a, a lot of his, um, you know, Brandon knows who he is and a lot of his basic fundamentals, like when he talks about young people, um, he has this thing about where he says, First thing, like, because people are like, how do I change my life? How to make this money and stuff like that? He's like, get up in the morning and make your bed. And they're like, wait, get up in the morning, make your bed. He's like, yeah, get up in the morning, make your bed every single day. And a lot of times they're like, wait, this, what, what is, get up in the morning and making my bed every single day? Well, if you look at it, if you get up late, you roll out, you're running late, you don't make your bed, then then you just kind of throw something on. You may have a stain on your outfit because you didn't check to see if it was because you're already, you know, behind the clock because you slept in, you pressed. But he, but it's really a metaphor and something simple that you can control. And it's a choice that you can make. Chalking up as many wins and checking as many boxes throughout the day that are difficult things only when you're starting your day. Then it starts to get this momentum and this, this motivation starts to build to then go on to the next things. So if you're trying to if you're trying to do this huge big project, we all know there's certain fundamental basics like for you and, and you know in your profession I'd say okay, we're going to make this big poster board or do all this stuff. Okay, who's got the markers? Who's got dang it like you could design the biggest thing but if you don't have the materials to put it together, you miss a step, right? And so when we're helping our young our young kids make choices, if we're coming from a place of fear that they haven't been making the right choices, We're going to try to short track this. We're going to try to, okay, we got to do it now. We got to do it quickly. If a young person's already been pulling back and gotten into a lot of bad habits, we got to start with basic choice psychology, basic one or two, A or B. And then once they start to have the conversation, this is a really cool trick and hack that the brain does. The brain has a problem to solve. When a human being believes that they do not have a choice, 
guess what? Game over. There's no problem to solve. They give up. They surrender. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Whenever I've tapped out on something and surrendered on something that I could totally do, I had the capabilities, it's because I was building like evidence to take to a court of law to say, your honor, I just don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Sentence me to life of loneliness and misery. When in actuality, if I was looking at, I have to make a choice and which choice am I more scared of, like in the long run and start with that one, then I have a path to go down. So this is just something that I think as parents out there listening to this for your kids that are unmotivated socially because they've gotten so trapped inside the situation. If it's, if it's got to that point for you, do not start out, or I would not suggest you start out with saying, you know, why aren't you doing those things? If you're showing your frustration that this has been going on for a year, all you're doing is you're mirroring for them that you can't handle their struggles and what they're going through. If you start talking to them about choices, you start talking like, all right, well, you know, I see how you feel. The way I look at it is you got two choices. You could do this. You could do that. Um, for me, you know, I, I, I'm obviously wanting you to do this one, but you got to figure out which one of these ones are going to be harder for you to live with and just see what happens. I think that it's also really good. I think in our society and movies will do this, like being scared is such a bad thing, right? Like, what are you scared? Are you too scared to do that? You know, it's like this kind of negative connotation to be scared. I think it's all right. Um, I actually have a friend um, who her motto is, you know, do it scared. And, and that's actually, she's always talking, do, do it afraid, I think is, is what she actually says. Meaning that be afraid, but do it anyway. Like you don't have to not be afraid. Being afraid is not a problem. And that's not, you know, something that will hold you back. And, and maybe having these conversations, obviously you've got to have a decent conversation, a decent yeah. relationship to have these conversations, but establishing the fact that just because you're scared doesn't mean that that's a signal that this is bad. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you brought up a good point there too, because like, you know, like exactly. A lot of people think fear is, is a bad thing, right? It's something that if you're scared of something, then that's like not good. Evidence that tells yeah, that, the universe doesn't want me to do this or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and like I was saying with the psychologist talking about, you know, he really focuses on something that, that I've noticed with a lot of my clients is that, you know, if, if you start to build that lie to overcome your fear, then you start to believe that it's not that you're scared, that you're just disinterested. You don't want to do it, but if you can be honest. And, and so this psychologist is like the opposite of me. He's a huge, big brain. I don't know how, if he ever has talked to a teenager before, but he's, but he's like, I wish I had his brain, right? I wish I had his brain. And so when he was talking about this, it really made me think because when you have a, when you have a teenager that is, you know, and we all see this in adults too. Like, you know, the guys are like, yeah, you know, I scored four touchdowns in high school and they, they start to, you know, everybody starts to embellish whatever, but we don't just embellish our wins. We also embellish the things that we're scared of. And we turn them around to being things that we just don't want to do. We never had an interest in doing whatsoever. So the way he, the way he likes to describe it 
is that if you're honest with your fear and you just say, you know, I'm scared or I don't know what to do. Then at that point right now, you open up the discussion to see that you have choices. If you don't see, if you can't state and testify and like, your honor, I'm actually scared. Mom, I actually don't know what to do. That's why parents intuitively were like, come ask us for help. Come ask us for help. And we're telling our kids, you come talk to us about what you're scared about. Well, if they're not good at talking about their fears, then it's up to us as parents to kind of set the stage for them a little bit. And one way could do that is just let them talk about the choices and why they're scared of them in the first place. As a parent, you could also share. And, you know, I, I suggest instead of saying, I was scared of, instead of saying, I was scared of this once, but I just did it anyways. That's not the right approach. A better approach to this would be, you know what? Recently, I was scared about something. And I'm still scared about it. And I'm kind of like a deer in the headlights staring at it. And I still don't know what to do. In my life, I realized that if I sit there and I don't make a decision and I can't make a choice, the longer I go, I just surrender and I do what's ever easiest and I avoid anything that's going to make me feel uncomfortable. But, you know, that's just me. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. I'm just saying for me personally, that's, that's what I struggle with sometimes. And then just leave that. The conversations that I have with teenagers and the coach and the, the parents I've coached and counseled how to do that, how to just open that up and leave that, they're blown away by the next, the second, third, and fourth conversation they have with their kids because this is a process to get over fear by being honest with yourself. Then after you're honest with yourself, it opens up options. Now you have choices. And then you start talking about, okay, since I've already established that I'm scared of a bunch of things, which one am I most scared of? Yeah. Does that make sense, Heidi? Yeah, it's super, it's super interesting. I think it's a good um, you know, just the thought, two, two strong takeaways. Number one, just like establishing options. Number two, pointing out that just because you're scared doesn't mean that you you won't be good at something or that you might not like it and that and that fear isn't a negative emotion. Yeah. Well, fear, just like anxiety and everything else, it's trying to tell us something. But right. is our fear, is are we fearful of being uncomfortable or are we fearful of something else? And and I think that like when when you originally said the quote to me, part of being motivated or part of motivation is being scared of the right things. I think that we have to understand that motivation doesn't, doesn't start with that big push out of bed in, into your exercise class or whatever. Motivation starts with your choice, right? Like, Motivation starts in the very beginning when you're like, what am I going to do? What are, what are my choices? And, and then we start deciding what's actually going to, going to lead us. And so, and I just, I, I love that whole concept, just recognizing that motivation has a lot of, a lot of facets in here. And, um, Fear is a is a big thing that holds us back from doing things that we even really, really want to do and dream about doing. I think in your own life and family and friends, how relevant this is. A good friend of mine 
you know, he had a, he had a heart attack and this is a number of years back and had a heart attack because he was very out of shape, very unhealthy, very stressed. And afterwards, you know, his family, everybody was telling him, you know, you're going to die like your mom of a heart attack, all these bad things. And they were just trying to shame him and it changes like, Oh, I don't care. I love my shed. He'd make fun of that. He has a keg instead of a six pack, you know, those guys that just kind of like make fun of their own belly and stuff like that. And, uh, after his heart attack, after his near death experience, um, he didn't know about this quote and this was quite some time ago, but he said, after it was done, I'm looking at my kids and, and they're crying. They're scared that I was going to die. He goes, I was more scared at that point of losing my family, my kids missing out on their wedding dates and all these great experiences than I was of being uncomfortable by eating better, by exercising. He's I'd left, he let himself go for so long. He's like 200 pounds overweight. He let himself go for so long and he got so used to it that he wasn't scared of the consequences that would come from that. He was never a big guy. I mean, this is, he put on 200 pounds and you could tell when someone's not supposed to be that big, you're like, Ooh, they're, you know, it's difficult. Right. And when I say, you can tell, like, you can tell like, man, like they were smaller when I knew him. And now it's like, so he can't be feeling good. Can't be this. And he'd always joke and laugh about it. After that point, he realized that him being scared motivated him to be healthier. And to this date, I mean, this is like six, seven years ago to this date. He's lost about 150 pounds and kept it off because he's scared of the right thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, you guys, you know, as parents, we got plenty of things to be scared about. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we also as parents have. Yeah, you got to be scared about that kid that your, your kid's going to bring home and want to date. You know, you got all these things to be scared about. So many good things to be scared about. <laughs> Um, so keep listening, um, keep going back to some of those podcasts, like just that little reminder that sometimes the things that we need to hear most are the things we don't want to hear the most. Um, so want to thank you for being here and for listening and for recognizing that improving your relationship with your kid is totally worth the effort and the time and, you know, that some of us, if you're anything like me, it just takes a little, it, it takes a little while for it to seep in and start actually <laughs> producing results. Um, but, you know, David, as always, I really appreciate your perspective and your insight. Um, thanks for sharing what you're learning from the kids that you're teaching and also from those who you look to for um, ideas and inspiration and um kind of packaging them up here for us so appreciate you um big thanks to brandon as always for producing our podcast and keeping us in line and on track and um thanks to you our listeners for helping us to light the fight <laughs>